Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Silverman, your host, and if this is your first listen to the Fertility Podcast, basically this episode is continuing on from my previous one, focusing on World Childless Week, and I'm speaking to two ladies, one who has written a book about her own experiences of living a life childless, and she's got all other women's stories in the book as well, and the other is a grief counsellor talking again with a number of women, sharing their stories and giving advice on dealing with the grief that comes with accepting that you're going to live a life childless. So if you've come to this podcast because you've just started trying for a baby and maybe it's not happening and you're looking for more information about fertility stuff, that is there in this podcast in general, but not in this episode. So please do uh, have a look back in the back catalogue of whichever podcast app or provider you're using or via the fertilitypodcast.com. There's a really useful search bar there and you can type in whatever it is you're looking for in fertility support. If you want to know more about the HFEA, if you're dealing with PCOS or think you might be or endometrial or it's a male fertility issue there's loads of episodes but this particular episode is focusing on maybe making that decision to look at your life differently and the two ladies that you're going to be hearing from I think will give you a lot to think about I'm now going to welcome Leslie Pine to talk about her book, Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness, inspiring stories to guide you to a fulfilling life. Now, I've met Leslie a couple of times and I'm delighted to be able to talk to her about her book, despite having not read it, which is my disclaimer. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much and and thank you for, for talking to me. Well, this is quite a new book because we met in May and you were just about to kind of launch. It came out kind of mid-June, didn't it? Yes, it did, yeah. In the book, Leslie shares the experience of, of 19 other women as well as her own. And let's start, Leslie, just talking about your decision to to share this book because you'd said to me in some of our correspondence that you'd finished treatment over... 16 years ago yet you grieving and healing has only really happened in the last two and I'm, I'm keen to know what triggered that and whether that was the trigger then for the book yes it was actually yeah we, we finished um, treatment when I was 40 which I sad to say is over 16 years ago at, at the time I didn't realize I was grieving um, I just thought I felt sad so I just carried on I'm from Yorkshire that's what we do then uh, a few years later my mum died uh, then I, I sort of knew I was grieving but I did what I'd been taught to do by my parents which was box it up and keep calm and carry on and then almost four years ago my dad died and I carried on boxing it putting everything I didn't want to feel into a box and that worked until it didn't I had had certain beliefs about grief which is I I don't want to feel I don't want to fall apart Um, and in in the end I, I had no choice but to but to fall apart and to grieve and I've come out the other side having written the book and a, a completely different person, sort of wishing that I'd gone through that grief process sooner. Because from the the experience I've had of talking to women who are childless, not by choice, feeling that you can grieve, actually be- believing that you are allowed to grieve for what's happened, not being able to have a child, is, is a massive part of this process, isn't it? It, it is, yes, absolutely. And I think um, because... 
let's let's face it for all of us life doesn't turn out as we we thought and not having that child that we wanted is it, it it's a grief process and it has to be gone through and yeah get, to give yourself permission to do that is a big step and I think for me why I've used other people's stories in the book is because they've also worked through that process and come out the other side and when you can see other people who've gone th- taken that path that you want to take then it gives you hope that you can also take it and you can come out the other side living a positive life too. Because another thing that you'd said was that it is possible to find joy when you're childless and it frustrates and disappoints you when you hear women say that they'll always feel sad. It does. It annoys me actually very much. It, I think it's all about that mindset to me that you, it's it's what, what you believe you will have from your life. If you do believe that you'll always feel sad, then that's what's going to happen. You know, you can change that belief. I mean, there's work to be done to get there, but you can absolutely find your joy. And again, that's another reason why I use the stories because... It's not just me saying that you can be happy afterwards. It's 19 other women, some of whom, you know, there's some bloggers, um, some childless bloggers out there. There's also some of my friends, some people who, you know, just normal people. So if you can see that, then you can believe it, that you can have it too. Now, you also are an NLP practitioner, and I'm interested as to whether you have always been that or you've become that since finishing treatment and how that's benefited you in this process i became that uh trained in nlp um five six seven years ago something like that and so it was well after we'd we'd finished a long while after we'd finished treatment um i at the time i was struggling to know what I wanted from my life and who I was, what my purpose was, that sort of thing. I was fortunate enough to be able to give up my job and NLP started me on this this path, really. It, it healed some of the, the work that I did, healed some of the issues that I had myself and it also gave me lots of tools and techniques to be able to reframe some of the things that I was going through and to understand what was going on in my head. It was it's the NLP was the starting point to the other work that I've done since. Okay. Because I've spoken with Yvonne John as well on this podcast and she described the kind of lengthy process that you've just touched on. And for people listening who may have just had a failed cycle, may have had numerous failed cycles, I I know that there's a lot of relatability from from these conversations, which is why I'm keen to share them, because there is such frustration having to get your head around it. For someone like you who's had 16 years to work on this, what would you say to somebody who's maybe at that point, they've just come out of a failed cycle, it's do they try again, do they stop? How do they kind of comprehend what is ahead? I wouldn't want to advise on anyone on when to stop. I think that's got to be your own complete decision i just give people a confidence to know that if you decide to take the childless path i hate that word childless but it's the one that everybody uses that there's a grief process to to go through but it is possible to to be happy whichever path you take how do you find the writing of the book because i know you've written a ton of blogs over 150 blogs so you were obviously well versed in in using writing as quite a cathartic thing in your in your healing process well writing a book's a whole different scenario as as i realized once i'd started i mean i had the idea i want to hold the book in my hand and actually, I had a vision of being at my, my launch party, surrounded by people that I loved, cared about and helped me and holding the book in my hand. And that's the thing that drew, drove me forward. Actually, it was, I mean, the writing is what healed me. The um, I looked at what, I'd already been collecting um, 
stories on, on the website, some of those 19 women, and I looked at the um, common themes of the things that they'd done. And so some of those were grieving, connecting to your body, writing, um, self-acceptance. So as part of my process, I went into all of those and that was the healing. That was where my healing came. So actually the writing of the book was, that was my grief work, to be fair. You know, there was a lot of yoga, <laughs> a lot of uh, writing and, and, and writing the book is a whole, it's completely different from writing the blogs, but it is very cathartic. It's get, getting your story out into the world, I think is very helpful. Gets it out of your head and the healing comes when you write it down. Would you say you enjoyed the whole process? There were moments that I didn't enjoy and I went through that, I can't do this, this is crap, all of that sort of um, process. And it was incredibly hard, but yes, I did enjoy the whole process, yeah. And it's been a really interesting journey for you, especially with different opportunities and conversations that have come up. And if you're listening outside of the UK, we have a very precious radio station called Radio 4, which I'm sure you're probably aware of, um, which Leslie got to appear on. So talk about how that happened well th th that was a couple of years ago now but th th they did a program called drawing the line what happens when ivf fails and they interviewed me for that and i, I got the final word i think my final word was childlessness has been my biggest gift because without it i wouldn't have the life that i now have and be the person i am now and then my husband and i also got to appear on woman's hour and um he had the honor of flooring the presenter there jenny murray with an answer to the question <laughs> yeah that was that was good fun we sat Don't in a cupboard there. Don't <laughs> there. what did he what did he say well he said he was the end of the genetic line and uh, that sort of that did flora but it's true isn't it if you don't have mm. children you are i mean i'm an only child as well so i'm definitely the end of the genetic line he has he has a sister who has children but still for childlessness is the end of a line that's stretched back a long way isn't it and i'm glad that you mentioned your husband because i'm i'm keen to just talk a bit about the male side of it because it is something that i know that we're trying to get more of us talking about this but it it does seem that there are more women uh, talking about it there's obviously gateway women which is amazing there isn't the same support for men yet because we know men are more reluctant to talk sadly H how has your husband been at kind of joining in on you kind of raising your voice about this he's happy i mean we were both on the front of best magazine last week he was a bit outraged that they had his age in there but that's what they do isn't it um but we were fortunate enough to join more to life which is part of fertility network uk and we joined them right at the start about a year after we'd finished treatment and we've met couples in that and that has been really helpful for both of us and a, a number of those couples are still some of our closest friends because they get us like no one else and there's been many times when we've got together as a big group and the women have been in one place talking about all the stuff you know infertility childlessness all our struggles and the men have been somewhere else talking about cars or whatever it is they talk about but and i think that's how they've done their grieving not by talking about that thing we have in common but just by getting to know each other and um putting the world to rights or whatever men talk about so that, i mean they he's been lucky to find a group of men i think is that bottom line there because the community part of all of this is is one thing that is so key to highlight that uh, I mean as I do with what I do with the podcast anyway to try and highlight that you're not alone whatever stage you're at but I think it's it's vital to help people understand that they're not alone and I know you're involved with World Childless Week and in my recent 
chat with Steph Phillips about it, she was talking about women that were coming to her group in their 50s and 60s and 70s saying how alone they'd felt, which is so heartbreaking. It, it is very heartbreaking. And I, I think, you know, there's there's a lot more support out there now, isn't, isn't there? So there's, there's quite a, a lot more of us talking about it and, and, and blogging. So um, hopefully that will you know, the age of of people reaching out for help will will drop and um, people will start to do it sooner. But things like World Childless Week, which I am um, heavily involved with this year, are great ways to to get involved. And, And yeah, that community is so important because of that. You know, finding out that we are not alone in whatever we feel is is crucial. I think we all think we are alone, but just it's really important to reach out. And just going back to our chats about Radio Four before, because one of the um, other chats that you had was on the Soul Music Show, talking about your 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 love of the True Colours song and your singing it in your choir. Talk to me a bit more about what that song has done for you it signifies everything about standing in your own authenticity because it is that your true colors are beautiful you know like a rainbow and you do feel alone but it gives you you know once you've got that confidence to open up and speak out you know it's important to show our true colors And, and the work that I've done over the last couple of years has brought my true colours to the fore actually I mean I'm, I'm I know we're on audio but I'm sitting here now with blue nails and normally I'd wear more bracelets but they'd make a noise mm-hmm. um but that's that's I would never have done that before you know so I've that connecting to to my true colours and speaking out speaking my truth has been part of my process and and yeah the the song true colours just describes all of that perfectly it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about it because part of the part of the process the grieving process as well is that loss of identity isn't it that you assume you're going to have this life one way and you're not and then it's redefining because of sadly how society views childless couples but more so women i mean i know men have a have a rough time of it and i know you've spoken with robin hadley as as have i about how men have to go through different life stages and 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 the kind of perceptions that people have of them um but that um that redefining your identity you've just talked about the colors and we spoke before we started properly chatting on the interview about a wonderful holiday you've got planned and it's that that redefining and realizing what can be that i'm sure takes a lot of work it doesn't and that's why i use the butterfly metaphor in my book actually because i think that's that you know you we thought we were going to be one sort of butterfly that was a mother motherhood and and when that doesn't happen we don't know what color and shape our wings are so the process which i take people through in the book is to work out what color and shape our wings are and then start to learn to fly and you know everybody's path is different and everybody we're all different we're all you know so it's um it's not picking a template from if I'm not going to be a mother this is what I'm going to be let's look at you know look look at your truth what makes you happy what brings you joy there's uh, yes there is there's a lot to do potentially but it it's worth it in the end I think that's so the book is like a workbook as well as a it story is. book. Okay. It is a workbook, yes. Sorry, I should have said that right at the front. There, there are okay. a lot of exercises in there um, that you you don't have to do, but it, you can, yes. And we're talking mid-August 2018. We've had a lot of hype about the 40th anniversary of IVF. I know you've been very involved, and I'm going to share different links to Leslie's website, including that video that you were involved with, which was really interesting. 
And with 20 million failed cycles, that's a lot of a lot of women and men affected. And you talk about the industry wanting us to disappear under a rock and keep quiet. I love how forthright you are. What do you want to see happening? I mean, obviously, more recognition in the media, which you're doing a brilliant job of, of getting. What else do you want to see happening? A lot of women, I think, still have that impression that they can wait and have IVF and all will be well. But it's that 75% failure rate is, I think that a lot of women don't know that. And and there's also a lot about, oh, you can can freeze your eggs and again, all will be well. But it's about raising awareness of those, the figures, the reality of of life. I mean, unfortunately, you know, our fertility does start dropping and you can't guarantee to leave it. So that would be my wish for, you know, education maybe of, of youngsters to know what it is well, everyone knows how not to get pregnant but you know that th- these figures about and the realities about our fertility and that the IVF stats I think are, are important to, to to be more widely known yeah well we're on the same mission so keep on doing what you're doing now Leslie's continuing to be busy despite going on an amazing road trip in the states in October there's a webinar with more to life which is the fertility network UK um, webinar series that Les is involved with and if you are listening outside the UK as always I apologize for this being UK focused but it's a webinar so you'll still be able to access and it will still be relevant to you exactly and we're going to be talking a bit more about finding your joy and and gratitude and uh... and then if you are in the UK and going to the fertility show in November in London Leslie's going to be talking there I'll be there I'll be making sure you know all about what Leslie will be doing because it will be on the show notes for this episode well Leslie look best of luck with everything you're so busy and <laughs> how many blogs are we on now because the last I saw you said you'd done 150 have you just passed it I, I do one every couple of weeks so it'll be 152 or three or something like that by then well, time so to take a break there. I think <laughs> well it was it keeps flowing out of you brilliant get it down get it down well I will share all the links that I can to your website which is brilliant and really informative and and good luck with the book and have a wonderful holiday thanks very much for having me on the podcast thank you so leslie's details of course will be at the end of this episode in the show notes and before we hear from lois who is my next guest here's a note from my sponsors who make this podcast possible if you're looking for a supplement to take whilst trying to conceive Pregnacare Conception and Wellman Conception provide advanced nutritional support. They include zinc, vitamin D and the exact levels of folic acid recommended for women by the UK Department of Health. Pregnacare is expert nutritional care while trying for a baby. And to find out more, visit thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash shop. Now, I know how daunting it is finding out information about fertility issues, so I wanted to tell you about The Fertility Show. It's on the 3rd and 4th of November at Olympia in London and is open to anyone struggling with fertility issues or wanting to start a family. You can meet experts face-to-face, attend the brilliant seminars by leading fertility specialists and get your questions answered at the Let's Talk Fertility stage. Visit thefertilityshow.co.uk for more information. I'm now going to welcome Dr. Lois Tonkin, who is a counselling lecturer at the University of Canterbury in New Zealand, and she has a new book that is being released as part of World Childless Week called Motherhood Missed. It's stories from women who are childless by circumstance, and when I heard about this book, I was really interested in speaking with Lois about her work as a grief counsellor, as well as about her book. So, Dr. Lois, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Natalie. I'm really interested in talking with you about these different accounts, 30 first-person accounts 
accounts from women ranging from their 30s to their 50s because it's such a range and I imagine the conversations were consistent in one respect but probably pretty varied in another. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's a really good description of it, Natalie, that there are so many different routes to a similar kind of situation and so so many stories from so many different kinds of women in different sorts of circumstances. So yeah, very, very varied. When you decided to write a book about this, obviously you've been a grief counsellor for, for, for many years and I'm assuming you work with people across all sorts of different areas of bereavement because it obviously affects us in so many different ways. Were you finding that this was becoming more prominent, people coming to talk about being childless, living their life childless? Yes, as well as seeing people who are bereaved, I also have always been interested in the in the kind of non-death losses, really, the losses that happen in people's lives that are not about someone dying. And the reason, one of the reasons that I find that particularly interesting is that when there hasn't been a death, people often feel like um, this isn't really grief because nobody's died. And so I found myself talking with a number of women who were coming for grief counselling because they were feeling like they were grieving, but they weren't really sure that they could call it grief. And of course, what that means is that they weren't accessing the usual kind of supports that they might do, or also being gentle with themselves even about their responses, because they weren't sure that they could call it grief. Because obviously, part of the problem is how society is dealing with this. We're not really understanding it in how to have these conversations, are we? That's right. Yeah. Not understanding grief and also not understanding childlessness. And and as as the forward of your book talks about, do you have any children is such a, a, a common question. It's so, such a part of people's kind of just natural flow have you got kids are you going to have kids and so many people don't realize the implications of it do they that's right and so many women told me how much they dread that question you know particularly meeting people for the first time that they're just kind of stealing themselves for that question and worrying about how they will be perceived when they say no and trying to think of ways to answer that question that 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 lets the conversation move on without too much hurt along the way. So just tell me about some of the stories. Like I said, 30 first-person accounts from women ranging from their 30s, 40s and, and 50s who are childless by circumstance rather than choice. What kind of themes came up, how people were feeling? Was it issues as well, telling their families, that kind of guilt associated with what they were maybe letting their, their parents down? Yeah, there were certainly women who felt that way. I only talked to women. Um, <clears throat> obviously, men are also childless by circumstance, but I felt like there was a particular set of issues for women that were slightly different than ones for men, particularly, I think, because women are kind of identified in terms of whether they have children or not in a way that men aren't in quite the same, to, to quite the same degree. And there were a range of issues, really. A lot of women talking about feeling isolated and feeling misunderstood by people around them. A lot of women wanting to talk about that sense of grief. Uh, and also women wanting to talk about the feeling of almost a relief they had when some the years of kind of hoping and wishing and longing were clearly passed for them and there was no other there was no 
longer any possibility that they would might have a child. And so then turning their attention to, okay, so this isn't the life I expected to have or wanted to have, um, but it's the life I've got. And how can I live that in a way? How can I be a mother in, a, in the world in a way that's different from how I expected it to be? And I talked to... Um, I talked to a woman, heterosexual woman, I talked to a gay woman, I talked to one trans woman, um, uh, women who were married, women who were single, a whole range of different life circumstances, and and they <clears throat> were all dealing in a di- with a different version of the same kind of situation. Because as well as talking about um, being childless as a result of treatment not working, or you've mentioned perimenopause, there's obviously issues around miscarriage and stillbirth and and the the kind of mental health implications around that which again as society we don't really take seriously people getting comments like well you've got pregnant once I mean you can do it you know people aren't really able to 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 get that fully dealt with exactly and I think some of that's because either uh, having children isn't important to them and so they can't quite understand why it's so important to these women Or maybe having children is especially important to them and they can't really go there in their own minds and hearts in terms of thinking what it might be like to not be able to have children when that's what you wanted to have happen. When you talked just before about how women are saying they're feeling when they've maybe accepted that this is their path and now they can actually look at things differently, is that the point that you're interacting with them or are people coming to you earlier are they able to come to you earlier to work to that point both really Natalie I think for most women it's a long process of getting to that point if indeed that is the point they end up having to come to of accepting that this isn't the way it's going to be for me and and often I see people in the very early stages of that when it still could go either way you know one of the women I talked to in the book said childlessness unravels gradually that whole sense that I'm really hoping this is not the way it will be for me, but maybe it will, kind of dealing with the grief, but at the same time there's the possibility that it might still happen, so the grief is coming and going. And then for some women for whom it has become clear that it's not going to happen, how am I going to deal with that as well? And also along the way, the issues around trying to find somebody that they might have a child with or should I do this on my own or um, I've met somebody and he or she doesn't want to have children and what do I do here? Do I do I let this go, this, this relationship that's really important to me go with the hope that somewhere along the line I might meet someone else in time or uh, how do I handle this? And, and uh, women really find themselves in such incredibly complex and painful predicaments that they have to negotiate their way through. And I imagine it's really hard to imagine feeling any different when you're you're so overwhelmed by this feeling and whilst people say no regrets and you try everything it do everything it takes to try and have that baby and you know maybe you've tried as much as you're able to and it might not be everything for example adoption or surrogacy or those kind of challenges yet in your mind you feel you've gone as far as you can but then how do you how do you believe that you're going to feel better? That's right, yeah. And I think that's the same for so many circumstances we find ourselves in, isn't it? When we're in yeah. the thick of it, it's hard to believe that sometime in the future it won't feel quite as bad as this or we'll feel differently about it. But some of the stories in the book were were really powerful for me, Natalie, because they were long and painful journeys that women went through. But at 
the, well, not at the end of them, but at the point at which I talked to them, um, they were able to speak in such passionate and and um, excited kind of ways about the life that they had created for themselves. And it took a lot of courage and commitment and creativity to find that, but, but women definitely do. Let's talk a bit about that because there is the positives of living child-free and World Childless Week is about highlighting that as well. It's that plan B, as as I know Jodie Day, who's done the forward for your book, she works with women to help them work on their plan B and channeling energies into different types of things. So tell me about some of the types of work and lifestyles that, that the women that you spoke to are now pursuing. Well, what I noticed in talking with these women, and also I did a, a my PhD study was around this experience as well, is that the women that I talked to seemed to go through a process of working out what it was about being a mother was important to them, and then find Finding other ways to do that in their lives. So for some women, it was about being creative, and so they had they were engaging in creative things. They were engaging in study. They were writing. They were making films. They were doing those kinds of creative things in their life. For others, it was about mothering. For them, was about being um, caring and nurturing, and so they were finding other ways to do that in their lives. Um, looking after children, looking after animals. One woman was talking about how looking after the world, in a way, was how, in terms of a a passion for the environment, was how she saw herself doing that. And for other women, it was that sense of leaving a legacy, you know, leaving something of yourself that continued on and guiding children in the world. They'd become teachers, they'd become lecturers, they were mentoring, they were in some way caring for people, becoming counsellors, all kinds of ways in which people um, found another way to do mothering, if you like, in their life. And did the women talk about that that line of work or whatever they were finding themselves doing had given them some inner peace? Yeah, I don't know that women used the word peace because most of them were feeling really enthusiastic about it so it was it was more kind of an excitement and an, and an enthusiasm than a peace I suppose more of a peace in terms of ha- having not having children but at the same time or and at the same time should I say the women that I talked to were also really clear that the the kind of grief or the feelings that you had about having a ch- not having had a child when you expected to isn't something that just kind of disappears once you've you've come to terms with the fact that it's not going to happen that there are still triggers for that that happen in their lives and and you deal with those triggers but they don't have the same um, the same emotional kind of hit that they have earlier on I always think when I think about people living their life childless when I hear about things like you've just said triggers about the different life stages and we haven't really spoken about men and I've spoken in the past with um, a guy called Robin Hadley whose details I'll put on on the show notes I don't know if you're familiar with Robin's work he writes okay so you'll know he writes about living a life uh, childless as a man and um, one of the conversations that I've had with him is about how his peers are becoming grandparents and there's that next stage when you've just maybe got through the decision to accept your life is going to be childless and then you pursue all these wonderful things and you set up your and then you get older and obviously you're seeing what's happening with your peers 
so that is is obviously just a part of the life cycle of, of you know of how we age but um my, my point really was to bring in the male viewpoint because I know you've spoken with women and you said that there hadn't been that many men and it does seem from the conversations that I'm having other than Robin there's not a huge amount of men speaking out about this obviously Jodie has gateway women and there are more female-led support groups rather than there being much for men but we know this will affect men as well. Yeah, it will. And and I'm, I hope that, I know Robin is keen for that kind of understanding to increase, and I hope there are more men, perhaps as a result of Steph's initiative with World Childless Week this, this year, that there will be more men to begin to tell their stories as well. As I say, they're different stories, but there's also big overlaps with women's stories around that. So as far as working with a, a grief counsellor like yourself, for people who are at this stage where they may be trying to get their head around stopping and um, I know as well from the different conversations that I've had that nobody wants to say when is the time to stop it's obviously something very personal to you but what kind of advice would you say to somebody listening who maybe has sadly been trying and has had either failed cycles or other processes haven't worked as they'd hoped and they're they're starting to think that maybe this is actually now a different viewpoint that they need to take. I would really encourage them to talk with people about it. One of the things that women have said so much to me is how hard it is to talk to others because when they see other women that are childless or don't have children, they're, they're worried that they may be sitting on the same kind of level of pain that they are. And so they're reluctant to talk with others about it. And the other thing that comes up for women who are circumstantially childless is the sense that in some ways they have brought this on themselves because it's the outcome of earlier choices that they've made in their lives. And so very often women don't talk to others about it. And because of that, they find it quite hard to make sense of it for themselves and they often give themselves a really hard time about that. And in talking to others, you're able to start making meaning of it for yourself and start um, kind of working out where you might go from here. You start articulating your, your pain about it and also maybe some of the enthusiasm you have for things, other things that you can do in your life. So I'd really encourage them to find people in their lives and if they can't find people in their lives find counsellors in their lives that they can talk to around this um, and also to realise that this is a long process it's not something that you just come to overnight that it's it's a process of beginning to understand yourself and see your life in a different kind of way and that's that's something that takes time. And Sadly, the experiences of childless women have been overlooked. I've spoken to women who talk about being forgotten, just kind of put to one side. And, and like you've described, like I've heard numerous times, women aren't speaking about this, maybe for many years, and they're just living with it, with that, that sadness. Do you see a shift in how society is starting to talk? Obviously, we're talking in World Childless Week. It's the second year, and Steph, I know, was kind of bowled over by the reaction last year in 2017. I see it. It's really hard for you and I to make a judgment around that, I think, Natalie, because this is something that we, we're we spending time thinking and talking and reading about in our lives. And so it's hard for us to know, or it's hard for me to know, mm. whether there is more people talking about it or whether it's just that I'm hearing about it some more. But I think that um, 
I've certainly seen more media attention to it and and in other ways I'm hoping and like with books like like mine and, and other books that are coming out and with podcasts like yours and in lots of different kinds of ways the possibility of talking about it with others and for it to be something that increasingly is a little more understood is is beginning to happen. I think for a lot of people, you know, a lot of uh, women who are childless by circumstance, they're really afraid that they'll be misunderstood as being somebody that's always been put their career first and hasn't liked children and those kinds of things. And that's very, very far from their experience. And so the more that it's talked about, the more people are telling their stories, the more women will be able to say, yeah, this this is what this is like for me as well. And I'm I'm hoping to be part of, to kind of contribute to that conversation, really. And I think as well, it's important to point out that the book and the stories, they are uplifting. It's not all sadness. Obviously, we're talking about a sad and sensitive subject, but there is optimism and hope and, and great stories from the, the positives of, of this type of life. Yeah, there really is. There really is. They're very, uh, uh, I think pretty much all of them, there's a, there's a part that we can feel encouraged and certainly f- take some comfort in. And for some of them in particular, uh, there's a really strong sense of the delight that women take in creating the new life for themselves, their plan B, as Jodie would say. And as well as that, that's kind of, um, that, that's balanced with that real understanding of how they deal with, with ongoing losses in their lives as well, or a sense of ongoing loss at times in their life as well. Well, Lois, best of luck with the book and we'll put all the details on the show notes. It's been really interesting talking to you and, and thank you for, for kind of compiling because I think we do need to hear these stories and I've been really privileged to speak to the different authors for World Childless Week who are doing just that. They're kind of compiling stories and it's like en masse the voice can be heard. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Right, the show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash acceptance. And Leslie and Lois's details of how you can find out more about their books will be on there, as well as all the links to their social media. And also, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me at Fertility Poddy on Twitter and Insta. Always so good to hear from you. And you can email Natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. Now, it's really exciting as there's quite a few new fertility-related podcasts popping up, which just shows that it is so good to hear about this kind of stuff to hear other people's stories so do keep getting in touch and sharing your stories whether it's on twitter or instagram i'm at fertility poddy there's the fertility podcast page on facebook and there is the closed facebook group called talk fertility loads of ways you can join my community and stay in touch i've got all sorts of exciting things coming up i've finally got some more time on my hands as we head into autumn and i will be telling you more about stuff that's going on very soon if you want to email natalie at the fertilitypodcast.com and until the next time